Looking for the perfect gift for the believer on your list this holiday season? Alexa, what's the weather? The sun is raining. Say hello to Christian Alexa, the believer's alternative to the Amazon Echo. Alexa, play Kanye West. How about Matthew West? Now everything you love about the Echo, except super Christian. Alexa, text Vanessa, can't wait to see you soon, kissy face emoji. Is that really guarding her heart? With advanced situational recognition, Christian Alexa is here to encourage. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Always wanted to be a better Christian? Well, now you can with Christian Alexa. Ah, Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. And each Christian Alexa is uniquely programmed to help you with your individual struggles. Hey, you want something to drink? That better be a Coke bottle. Order your Christian Alexa today and begin seeing immediate life improvements. Let's eat. How about let's pray? From the makers of Pure Flix and GodTube comes Christian Alexa. Alexa, play Game of Thrones. Are you sure you should be watching that? Give the gift of Christian Alexa and have a happy holiday. You mean Merry Christmas. You know, let's just not even worry about You know, let's just listen to some music. You want to do that? Yeah. Alexa, play a song to set the mood. How about I call your accountability partner? Okay, you know what? All right. Christian Alexa. Now available at Family Bookstore. All right. Good morning, church. Gaden, thank you, buddy. Just me forever there. Get a little help here. Thanks, bud. All right. Man, uh, welcome. Glad you're here today. If it's your first time with us, let me say again how excited we are to have you with us. And I hope you'll find what so many of us have found, that this place is a place uh, you can call home. We are not perfect. In fact, uh, more often than not, we're far from it. But we are trying as a group of believers in this place uh, to live different because of Jesus. And over the last two or three weeks, what we've been talking about uh, as a family here at Riverside is specifically how do we live different in a, in a technology-driven world? Uh, we've had this series going on, like we, we mentioned earlier, Connected 3D, talking about what is life like with, uh, in a family, in a home, even for us as individuals, in a world where technology reigns. How do we do faith? How do we do family? How do we, how do, we do that in this, in this new world that we live in that's really changed so rapidly in the last 5, 10, 15 years? It's really, it's really a different world we live in, and it's something that I think all of us can benefit from to, to think about. And I hope you've had a chance to talk about this with your family or think about it in your own personal life, about, you know, what are some things that maybe we need to do differently, uh, differently in light of our faith in a world where technology consumes so much of our attention. I don't know about you, but I remember the day in school when they taught us about nutrition. Do you remember this? Uh, they put the, uh, the big, uh, you know, food pyramid up on the, the wall, the chart up on the wall. This was the, the days before PowerPoint. And uh, they showed us this food pyramid and they suggested that, you know, you really should be eating uh, good things and that you should fill your body with good things. And as, you know, children, you kind of soak in this information and they say, you know, if you eat healthy things like salad, I know y'all don't trust my salad making skills, so I bought the spring mix and it's already pre-made. I know Joe wouldn't approve, but it's better than what I can do. And so if you eat things like salad, if you eat things like fruit, you know, apples, bananas, oranges, that these things, uh, you eat these things, they're healthy. They're going to make you a healthy person if you eat these things. But if instead you eat the good stuff, you know, if you drink things like uh, my favorite, Coca-Cola, if you eat uh, chips, Doritos, which are, let's just compare. Honestly, folks, which would you rather have? I know, you don't have to say it. 
Or my other personal favorite, Snickers, you know, candy bars. If you eat these kinds of things, then um, it's not going to go so well for you. And they even called these kinds of things um, junk food. And now they also taught us not to call names, but when it came to our favorite foods, they labeled these things junk food. And I don't really personally appreciate that, but that's how it goes. And so uh, the idea was eat less of this, right? And uh, eat more of these kinds of things, and you will be a, a healthier person. And they even had this phrase. Have you heard this phrase before? They said, you are what you, you, are what you eat, right? And so uh, th- it was another way to tell you, hey, eat the good stuff. You know, you want to be like this. You don't want to be like this. Because this truth, this principle is true. That what we take into our bodies, no matter what it is, will transform us for better or worse. Now, we may not like it. But we can't deny it. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Generally speaking, what we take into our bodies, no matter what it is, will transform us for better or for worse. Now, you may be thinking, what does, like, food and junk food, healthy food and junk food have to do with technology? Well, I'm really glad you asked. Because if you think about it, you and I consume so much technology We consume so much digital content. And I don't know if you've ever thought about it in these terms, but how much of what you consume when it comes to TV and movies and music and videos and cat videos and podcasts and books that you read on your devices and and, and podcasts and, 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 you know, all these things that we listen to, we take into, we, we watch, we see on our devices, how much of that is healthy content? And how much would you maybe categorize as junk food when it comes to the digital content that you're consuming on a daily, weekly, monthly basis? How much of the digital content that you're consuming is healthy? And how much is, of it is junk food? Now, two different people showed me this trick last week, so I want to share it with you because I think this could be beneficial. I I know this works on an iPhone, so if you have an iPhone or an iPad, take that out. If you have an Android, I honestly don't know, um, you can check and see. But if you go to your iPhone, I'll put this on the screen so you can see it. If you open up your iPhone to your home screen and click on the settings uh, tab there, that's the one with the gear shifts. Tap on your settings, open that up. Do that if you have an iPhone right now. That should be everybody if you come to this church, by the way. No, just kidding. Um... I'm going to regret that later. Somebody's going to email me. Uh, Settings, then scroll down to where it says battery. Click on battery. And then right below battery, you can scroll down, and you're going to see it's going to say battery usage. All right, this is going to be fun. Some of you are going to hide your screens really fast. Under battery usage, you can click on the last 24 hours or the last seven days, and it's going to show you which apps you've had open and how much of the battery life those apps have consumed. All right, now some of you I can see you're doing this already, you know, or you've just turned your screen off, right? Because it's going to show you where your battery, where the energy, where the life force of your phone has been spent in terms of the apps that you've been using. Isn't that a wonderful little trick? Now, if you really trust the person next to you, you can pass your phone to the right. Yeah, (laughs) you probably won't do that. Here's the question, here's the point. What does your battery usage tell you about the health of your technology diet. What does your battery usage on your phone, on your device, tell you about the health of your technology diet? And what do we do about that? Because chances are, if you're anything like me, as it turns out, you may be spending 
more time than you would like to admit on apps and on things that maybe you wish you weren't. And the truth is, is that all of us are consuming more data. All of us are consuming more digital content than maybe we ever have before. But one of the subtle shifts that's happened is we haven't realized that there's a difference in the kind of digital content we consume. Again, we've never said throughout this whole series that technology is bad. This is not an anti-technology series, but it is a pro-relationship series. And what that means, I think, in one subtle way is we have to think about what is, what kind of digital content are we consuming? And is it healthy or is it digital junk food that honestly is not feeding us? It's not life-giving for us. And what do we do about that? Well, if this was nutrition, if this was uh, about, you know, what you eat and what kind of foods you're consuming, we all know what the general wisdom says. We all, we all know that if we're talking about food, then what you do is you have to, you've got to get a plan. You've got to set up some boundaries. You've got to think about, you know, going on a diet or, or maybe buying more of these kinds of foods and not buying these kinds of foods or setting up, you know, some way to help you eat better, eat healthier, allowing only the right kinds of things into your body so you'll be transformed into the right kinds of things because we know that it's just true, you are what you eat. We know that it's true, generally speaking, that what you consume, no matter what it is, will transform you for better or for worse. And so what do you do when it comes to your, your digital content? What do you do when it comes to technology? Well, I think the same principle applies. And just to change metaphors for a moment, I think we need guardrails. You ever seen guardrails? You probably don't even see them anymore, but they're always there when you're driving down the interstate here in Dallas or down a highway. There are these guardrails that are on the side of the road, and without even thinking about it, you know that these guardrails generally have two purposes. To remind you and to protect you. To remind you that on the other side of those guardrails is a place you don't want your car to go. And to protect you from going there. And so that if something were to happen, if you were to get distracted and veer off the road, you might damage your car, but you could save, it would save your life. If another car came and cut you off and you ended up having to go up against that guardrail, it might, it might mess up your bumper, but it, you're gonna, it's going to preserve your life. They're there to, to remind you of danger and to protect you from that danger. And what I want to suggest today is really incredibly simple. That maybe, just maybe, just maybe, you and I need guardrails in our lives when it comes to technology and digital content to remind us and to protect us, to guard us from where, if we were to step back for a moment and be honest, we could reflect and say, yeah, we don't want to go there. We'll end up there. We'll drift there. We will fall asleep at the wheel when it comes to technology and our devices and the glow of our screens and the way they just suck us in. We'll get there real quick on our own, left to our own devices. But if we were to put in place some guardrails, this is the way, if you have your Bibles, if you want to open up to Proverbs, you can turn to Proverbs. It's in the Old Testament. Ancient wisdom over and over again throughout the book of Proverbs. And in Proverbs chapter 4, the wise writer of Proverbs 4 wrote this in verse 23. Just a simple verse. He said, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. This is one of those verses you may want to underline, highlight, circle, whatever you do. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines 
the course of your life. Your heart determines the course, the direction of your life. Actually, that's not true. It's not true. And this verse says it's not true. It says, guard your heart. Because actually what's true is what you allow into your heart, that's what determines the direction of your life. It's what you allow to come into your heart that's going to determine the direction and the course of your life. And you've probably experienced this in your own life. You know the seasons of life when, when you've surrounded yourself with the right kind of people and you've engaged in the right kinds of things and you're setting before you all of those good things that you should be about and you should be doing. It's, it's in those times, those seasons of life, where our life always, generally speaking again, goes in the right direction. But... If you're anything like me, you've also experienced this. You've probably also experienced times in your life where, for whatever reason, you've let your guard down. And your focus has not been in the right places or on the right things. And you've allowed into your heart, into your life, things that today you would be ashamed to admit. And you know that the more you allow that kind of darkness in, the more you find your life off past the guardrail in the ditch. Because this is true. It's just true. What you allow into your heart, no matter what it is, will transform you for better or for worse. And I think that's why the writer of Proverbs 4 said, above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Because from your heart, That's going to determine the direction of your life. We've talked about the Apostle Paul before. Paul, his life was going one way, and then he met Jesus, and it went a whole different way. And you might say he's probably, could be, is the most influential person other than Jesus, you know, in terms of the Christian faith. Paul once wrote these words to a church in Philippi. And just so you know, they didn't have devices back then. They had tablets, but they were made of stone. It wasn't the same thing. Um, He wrote these words because he knew that people uh, people have always had trouble guarding their hearts. And I I want to read to you his words to this, this group of believers, people just like you and me, men and women, who were trying to live their lives following Jesus. But they, unlike us, they were the first generation to do it. And they were having trouble just like us trying to figure out how this works. I want to read to you from Philippians chapter 3, and I'll start in verse 18. And I want to read this from the Amplified Bible. It's a different translation, so you may or may not have that in front of you. You can look at the screens if you want to see it there. This is how it's translated in, in, the, in the Amplified Bible in Philippians chapter 3. Paul said this, There are many of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even with tears, who live, and these are strong words, who live as enemies of the cross of Christ, rejecting and opposing his way of salvation. Again, Paul is talking to the church about the church, living as enemies of the cross of Christ, whose fate is destruction. And then hear what he says right here. These words are so pointed, but so spot on. Whose God is their belly. In other words, their worldly appetite. Think about that. Think about the worldly appetites, and he's not talking about food here. Think about the things that we try to satisfy our lives with, the appetites that you and I have, the the cravings that we have, and what we go after to fill those things. Those things put us in 
direct opposition. They make us enemies of the cross of Christ when we live that way, rejecting God's way of salvation. And instead, we chase after, we chase after our own God, the God of our bellies, the God of our appetites, their, their sensuality, their vanity, and whose glory is in their shame, who, again, underline this, who focus their minds on earthly and temporal things. You wonder if he's talking 2,000 years ago or if he's talking to us today. Where is the majority of the focus of our, of our minds? If, if I could tap the settings button on your head and dial into your battery usage, your internal you know, clock where your energy goes, and I were to see if we could look at where the majority of your energy has gone the last 24 hours, how much of that focus would be, if we're just being honest, on earthly and temporary things. They're living as enemies of the cross because the direction of their focus is on things that, between you and me, just don't matter. They're of little consequence. They're earthly. They're temporary. Some of them are probably straight-up evil, and some of them, honestly, probably aren't. But they're earthly, and they're temporal. But, verse 20, but we are, and you know I love this word, we are different because our citizenship is in heaven. And from there we eagerly await the coming of the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by exerting that power which enables him even to subject everything to himself will not only, and I love this word too, transform but completely refashion our earthly bodies so that they will be like his glorious resurrected body. What is, what is Paul trying to say to these believers? You've got to have guardrails up around your heart and your life to protect you from having the focus of your mind on earthly and temporary things to keep you from living as an enemy of the cross because you're chasing after your own gods, trying to satisfy your own cravings and your own appetites instead of, instead of focusing on the cross of Jesus Christ and keeping your minds set on the things above because, oh, by the way, you... You who have given your life, you who stood up here and you said, I believe in Jesus, I have decided to follow Jesus, there is no turning back. You are citizens of heaven. You who have been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not from Texas anymore. You're from heaven. You're not from the United States anymore, from wherever your passport says, you are from heaven. And I know it may sound weird when someone says, where are you from? I'm from heaven. That awkward, I get it. But true, we are different because you and I, those of us who have named Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we are citizens of heaven and maybe we should live like it. Because when we do, this is what happens. We are different. Why? Not because of anything of our own power. Why? Because the Spirit of God is transforming us into something brand new, something just like Jesus. A new body, a resurrected body, just like Jesus. We are being transformed into something new. And that happens. That happens when, well, Paul said it this way just a few verses later. In Philippians 4, verse 8. 
He says, now, dear brothers and sisters, to, to all the believers in Philippi, this is what I want you to hear. One final thing. This is it. Uh, this is the takeaway. This is the bottom line. Go home with this. One final thing. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. He's thinking of every word you can to describe all the goodness around us that God has given to us. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Why? Because having guardrails around our heart and our lives, guarding our heart, it's not just about trying to keep what's bad out. It's about allowing what is good in. And Paul says, this is how it works. This is how it works. Guard your hearts by fixing your mind on what is good and pure and true and honorable and admirable. Fix your thoughts that way. Because when you do, you will be transformed. You will be transformed more and more, guess what? Into the image of Jesus. Why? Because this is true. What we consume, what we take in, no matter what it is, will transform us. Will transform us. For better or for worse. So what if you and I, what if you and I were to feast on Jesus? What if you and I were to spend our energy? What if the top thing on our battery usage of our hearts and our lives reflected that our focus and our intent was on Jesus? What would that change about us? But of course, none of that really matters if we don't first guard our hearts. And I want to just take a quick time out and just ask you that question. What do you need to guard your heart from? What is it? And this is just a moment for you to think between you and God. No one is here to judge you. Certainly all of us can answer this question probably in in a lot of the same ways that you could, that I could. But what is it? What do you need to guard your heart from? When it comes to our digital devices and the content that we consume, what is it that you need to guard your heart from? Certainly And we don't have to talk in much detail about this. But some of us need to guard our hearts from straight-up sin. Because you know, like I know, that it's never been easier, it's never been more accessible, it's never been more free. The content that is out there that is dark, it's available on your device anywhere you go. It's available on Netflix, anything you watch. The darkness is there, and don't pretend like it doesn't affect you. The darkness is there. And you will be transformed, for better or worse, by what you consume, by what you take in. And if the majority of what you're taking in, or if any part of what you're taking in, is sinful, that will have a direct impact on your heart and on the direction of your life. And let's also be clear about this, because I think we say this way too much. There's a difference between make, from sin and from making a mistake. You know, a mistake is when you trip and you break a lamp and you didn't mean to. A sin is when you make a direct choice to do something you know is wrong. And a lot of us, we keep saying things like, I made a mistake. No, you didn't. You made a choice. Just own that. You made a choice to do something that was wrong. And you knew it was wrong, and you did it anyway. That, my friend, is not a mistake. And I'm not standing up here saying that that I am am guilt-free or sin-free. I'm just saying all of us need to own our stuff. 
We have all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. That is true. Let's just own it. We're not a bunch of mistakers. Jesus didn't die for mistakers. He died for sinners. And at the end of the day, I want to be among those that Jesus died for. And he died for sinners, not mistakers. Let's own our sin. But let's also take responsibility for it and start guarding our hearts from it. And there are wonderful, unbelievable, technological guardrails you can put up around your life, around your home, around your internet. You know this as well as I do. Take advantage of those, absolutely. I'll get you a list if you need some ideas. You can find them yourself. They're out there. But don't also forget, the best guardrails, especially when it comes to sin, are people. Are people. So who has access to your devices? Who has your passwords? Who has permission to look at your phone? Who's got permission to check your battery usage or to see your history? Because the best guardrails are people when it comes to sin. But my guess is that isn't the only thing. Some of us need to guard our hearts not just from sin, but in a very different way, a lot of us need to guard our hearts just from distraction. And we've talked about this this the last couple of weeks, but I want to keep this in front of you that in order for you to have that connection with people and with God that we're talking about, that deep level of connection with each other and with Jesus, you can't do that if you're living a distracted life. And maybe, just maybe it's time to turn those notifications off. I don't know if you knew you could do that, but that's in your settings as well. Turn those off so that you're not distracted from the people in front of you by every ding, beep, and buzz. So that you can actually pray for more than 30 seconds without being distracted by another interruption from your device. Maybe one of the most spiritual things you can do this week is to turn those notifications off even for a few minutes, even for a day, and to see what happens. Guess what? It'll all still be there. You can check it when you want to. It just won't have permission to interrupt your life anymore. But I can guarantee you that maybe for a lot of you, maybe for all of us, the number one problem in your spiritual life is you're too distracted to have a spiritual life. And God would love nothing more than to have your undivided attention, even for five minutes. But maybe it's not just that. If we can get back to this, Maybe what you need to guard your heart from is digital content that honestly is just junk food. Again, there is digital content that feeds us and that is life-giving. But there is also digital content, you know this as well as I do, that is endless, but it does not feed us. And is it time for you to take inventory of the digital content you're consuming and ask the question, is it healthy? Or is it not. Is it time to come up for air for a moment and to reassess, to evaluate where your eyes are, what you're taking into your body, because you are what you eat, and what you take in will transform you, no matter what it is, for better or for worse. I remember um, this was years ago before Alicia and I had kids. We were uh, driving late one night on a road trip back home. We had, we had gone down to see a game, but it was a Saturday night, and of course I got to be at church on Sunday morning. And so we're driving back, and it's, you know, 12 a.m. rolls around, and we're like getting sleepy, so we pull off to the side of the road, and honestly, we buy this, you know. We're trying to stay awake. I got caffeine, I got Snickers, I got chips. We got the windows down, we got the music up. You know, it's 1 a.m. now, it's 2 a.m. We're getting sleepy. It's that weird feeling where you're trying to keep your eyes open, but you just can't. Anybody feel me? It's not safe. I don't recommend it. I, I, don't, I haven't done it 
since, I don't think, because it scared me. We're trying to get home. And, and, and you know what happens is anytime your car does begin to veer off the road for any reason, well, have you ever seen these bumps on the side of the road? There's a picture on the screen. These, it's the, I don't know who invented these. They're called rumble strips. I didn't even know that until this week. I had to Google it. I'm like, what are these things called? They're bumps. They're rumble strips. And, and, and I don't know who invented those, but I can't tell you. I, I, would, I would love to know how many lives those things have saved. Because as soon as your car begins to veer off to the side of the road, before you even get to the guardrail, you hit these rumble strips and they vibrate your car violently, right? <laughs> and you hear it with your ears. You feel it and you hear it and it wakes you up and it gets your attention and you get your car back on track and it potentially can save your life. And what I want to ask you today is, do you have rumble strips in your life? Do you have boundaries in your life? Do you have guardrails in your life? Do you have people in your life who can come around you and call you back to where you need to be? Because this is true. What you take in will transform you. What you take in will transform you. That's why some of you, honestly, if you're taking in news 24-7, you're living, you're living a life full of fear and high anxiety because news knows if they can scare you, they'll keep your attention, you'll keep coming back for more. You know what the problem is with scared Christians who feed on the news? They forget that one of the things God said more than anything else was don't be afraid. And I don't know how you can live a life of faith and a life of fear at the same time. That's why some of you, when all you consume is social media and you're, you're, you're watching everyone else's highlight reels, you walk around lonely and depressed because your life isn't as good as their life. And that's not true. You're just seeing the snapshots of their best moments. That's not how life is for anybody. And you're forgetting the God who said, I loved you. I love you so much that I gave my son for you. See, we forget what God says when we start taking in all the things around us that are not of God. Because it's true. What we take in transforms us. So the question I want you to think about is, what do you want to be transformed into? What do you want to be transformed into? And whatever the answer to that question is, then start fixing your eyes, fixing your heart on those things. And I love the way the Hebrew writer said it in Hebrews 12 too. He said this, he said, fix your eyes. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished the race that you and I are in. Keep your eyes. Fix your eyes on Jesus. You know why? Because you will absolutely be transformed into the image of whatever you are fixated on. So why don't you and I get busy fixing our eyes on Jesus? And I'll be honest. Some of you have wondered this before. This is why we take communion every week. This is why we do that. This is why we gather every week and, and, and someone comes up here and, and we pray. And this is why today we're going to do it again. It's because we know. We know that whatever you consume, whatever it is, it's going to transform you. So what if you and I could take in more and more of Jesus? What if you and I could be transformed into the image of Jesus? Well, that can happen when we take part of Christ and we partake in the community of Christ that's what happens. That's why for us as a church here in this place, we do it every week. Because Jesus said when he was gathered with his disciples, really moments before he would be led away, arrested, and crucified, he, he took bread. 
And it probably wasn't exactly like this, but this is what we use. He said, take this bread. Take it and eat it. Take it into your body. Why? Because what you take in will transform you. This is not magical, but let me tell you, because of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, it is transformative. And so we gather every week and we take the bread. We take the body of Christ and we take it into our bodies. Why? Because we want to take part of Christ. We want Christ to transform us because we know that whatever you take into your body will transform you. And we want to be transformed into the image of Jesus. That's why Jesus said, take this cup. And I guarantee you it wasn't a cup like this. But he said, take this cup. And he had some juice, some wine, whatever. Talk about that later. He said, take this and drink this. This isn't my blood, by the way, but the covenant. This is part of the promise. that You will know that from this day forward, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I want you to take this and drink this. Why? Because whatever you take into your body, it will transform you. And Jesus said, I literally want you to take more of me into you as a person and as a group, as a church, so that you individually and so that you collectively will be transformed into the image of Jesus. And I don't know if you have missed it somewhere along the way. Sometimes we get distracted. Sometimes we forget it. Sometimes we care more about our preferences and and what we like and don't like versus this or that. But this is what it's all about. It's about you and I being transformed individually, you as a person, you as a son, you as a daughter of God, and us as a church more and more into the image of Jesus so that when people see us, they don't see us. They see Jesus. That's what we're after. And so today, we are going to do this different. And if you're a visitor, I don't want you to get nervous or scared. The people around you are super friendly, and they're going to see you and invite you into their group. But in just a moment, I'm going to pray. And when I pray, I'm going to give you freedom and permission. And we don't do this often in this way, but we've done it before, and we're going to do it again today. To get up and to gather with a group of 10, 12, whatever people. And you've got permission to mess the chairs up. If you want to circle them up, you can do that. Or you can stand and circle up. That's fine, too. Again, there's no hard and fast rules about this. Get with a group of people, 10, 15, whatever people. Circle up. Send one person to one of these tables around the room. Grab a bag. It's got uh, some bread and some juice in there. And circle up. And as a smaller community of believers in this church, gather and take the bread and take the cup together. And take in the body of Christ together. And there'll be a question on the screen. If you want to read that question as a group and share, you know, among your group, kind of go around the circle and share, you know, the answer to the question, you can do that. If you want to just say a prayer for the bread and then say a prayer for the cup and take that, you can do that. If you all want to say a prayer and go around the circle, you can do that. There, again, there are no rules. We want you to take the body and take the cup, take Jesus together. Remember Jesus together. This is how we want to end this series because this is what we want you to be connected to, each other and to God. There'll be some music playing in the background. And then when people start to finish, just take your seats and Dan will lead us in two songs before we close out today. If for any reason you're unable to do this or or, or you can't for whatever reason, we do have two of our members who'll be walking around with trays and they're happy to serve you. But everyone else, I'd love for you to get into a group and take a moment to remember Jesus together, to reconnect to each other 
and reconnect with God because this is what it's all about. Because we want to we take Jesus and let him transform us. We want to take Jesus and let him transform us. Let me pray for us. In fact, if you would, let's stand, and I'm going to pray for us. And after this prayer, you'll have permission to circle up with the group, grab a bag of communion, and take of it together. Let's pray. God, we come before you in this place, and we know, God, again, left to our own devices, we would be completely lost. But because of Jesus, we have incredible hope. And that's because you love us. You love us. While we were still sinners, while we are still sinners, God, you love us. And in fact, there's nothing we could ever do to make you love us less. You are crazy about us. And over and over again, you were calling us back to yourself. Even in this distracted world, even in this sin-filled world, even when we're, we're so caught up in things that just do not matter, God, you were always calling us back to yourself and calling us back to your church, calling us back to community because it matters. And so, God, as we take a moment now, as we end our time together, by taking in the body and the blood of Jesus, it's my prayer, it's our prayer, that you would transform us individually and as a church into the image of your son. This is my prayer through Jesus. Amen.